0: Intent, Integrity, Intelligence. Which one is most important?
1: Integrity is the most important aspect among three I's because if you don't have integrity, your intelligence and intent is of no use to me or to anyone. Real quick note,
0: my family and I just got back from an incredible cruise with UnCruise. Now we'd experienced what cruising was like on a big ship with thousands of people and frankly, It just wasn't for us, but this one was completely different. It was a small boat of less than 100. We had an amazing time where we saw whales and other wildlife, inspiring nature, hiking, kayaking, and bushwhacking, which is hiking without the trails, and we received incredibly personalized service, guides who get you off the beaten path and gorgeous sunsets. Everything was so easy and with no line. They provided incredible meals, including sustainable seafood, not to mention a list of impressive cocktails. My wife, daughter, and I loved it. When we returned, I asked Uncruise to become a show sponsor, and I was excited when they agreed. Right now, they're offering special deals on cruises in Baja, Mexico, and Alaska that includes the incredible luxury, service, and adventure that we experience. To learn more, go to benleeds.com slash cruise Hey there, lead the team nation. Welcome back to another great episode today. I have for you Abhishek Argwal, who is the president of Judge India and Global Delivery. Previously, he served as head of global sourcing and talent acquisition over at Cap Gemini Invent and other organizations as well. He's an established technology thought leader. TEDx speaker and author of the best-selling book "The Three I Effect," which we'll dig into today. He's also a graduate of the Advanced Management Program over at Wharton's, at the Wharton School, and the Judge Group. In case you're not familiar with it, is an international leader in business technology consulting, talent solutions, and learning and development, with over thirty locations across the U.S., Canada, and India. They are proud to partner with over sixty of the Fortune One Hundred. Abhishek, welcome to Lead the Team, sir.
1: Thank you, Ben. Good morning.
0: Yeah, glad we're here today. Now, you describe yourself as, quote, an adventurer. And I love that. That gets me excited every time I see that an executive is an adventurer. What's your most memorable adventure?
1: So the most memorable adventure, you know, it was back in Himalayas. I would say uh, it was almost like six years back. I was traveling to Nepal with my colleagues. Mm. And uh, they were just scared to death, Uh, you know. We were basically taken on top of the Everest mountain through a small glider plane. I would not say glider, but it was a small plane. And we were, you know, just rotating around the Mount Everest. And the plane was so small that everyone in the plane was almost scared to death. So that was while we were pretty safe. It was just like a nightmare for all of us that what may happen, what may not, the pressure may drop. So everyone was really scared, but then there was a big thrill, you know, seeing Mount Everest from the top. It was a beautiful day, you know, all clear weather, good sunshine. So Mm. it was a lifetime experience. And while I would say a lot of people, they do it, but there, there is a chance that the weather may not be good for most of the time. So For us, that was actually one of the best adventurous trip, I would say, especially for me, uh, Mm -hmm. for two reasons. One is something very new and something which has a great trail as far as the safety and the security is concerned. And I still um, do remember it, you Mm -hmm. know, whenever I think about going to the trips, wherever I've gone to, this trip really comes out different. Uh, Just to add, you know, when we started on the runway the plane and the plane since it was a small plane it was trembling like so we we right from the start wow. right from the start you know there was there was some scare that look what may happen and what may not but it yeah. really yeah, went all great. So it wasn't
0: like a you weren't flying Delta to uh, circumnavigate Everest. This was a tiny plane you see I was trembling shaking. And yeah, and I bet you get up to those high altitudes and you're getting gusts from all directions. Yes, absolutely.
1: But that see the magnanimity of the entire Mm. trip was uh, the, I would say the scene when we were at the top of the Mount Everest, it was just beautiful. I can't even Mm. explain something really magnanimous and amazing. It yeah. gives you that power, you know that what mountains are all about.
0: Wow! And were you having to wear oxygen mask on the plane? No, no,
1: we were. We since the weather was good, we were not because weather was really good, all clear. So the pressure was still good in the plane. Wow!
0: Fantastic, man. Well, congratulations on doing that. That's probably the more most direct way to summit Mount Everest. <laughs> it's to get <count> on a plane. <laughs> Versus spending weeks, yeah, yeah. trying I mean, to that, climb it. Oh my gosh! And what for inspiration to to go to Nepal and make that huge trip and do Everest and, and prioritize that?
1: Uh, you should, Ben. I mean, it's definitely an experience. What was your inspiration behind it? Why do it? So, see, mountains—they always attract me. Mountains, they—if you look at mountains. Um, they give us the message about the magnanimity you know the powerful powerfulness of being one you know solid block and and it just i mean i just admire them because they give me power they give me so much of energy when i look at the mountains something big something huge that you can look for
0: oh cool. i can assess that uh, through the imagination Maybe I will uh, do that. I would probably, although I like to hike, I don't know if I would scale uh, Everest, but definitely interested in uh, taking the flight up. Cool, man. So let's let's dig into the three I effect because I think a lot of leaders can benefit from that from its power and its and its simplicity of the, of, of the structure. What is at the heart of the three I effect?
1: So the three I effect. It's a simple formula uh, which actually got derived uh, through the live experiences which I encountered in my career for Mm -hmm. almost, I would say now, 23, 24 years. So 3i effect is all about intent, intelligence, and integrity. So so what happened? Maybe I'll just take you back uh, to 2008, 2009 timeframe when we had this recession going on and the economy was in really bad shape. I was traveling to uh, New York only from London, and right next to me was uh, one of the senior executives of one of the banks over here in US. And and we just started a conversation, but and he he was a veteran in the industry. So while mm-hmm. we hit the conversation, he said that, Dubyshek, uh, uh, what's going on? Like, how do we really ensure that, you know, all these big organizations, while they have some great stories, great, I would say people, employees, mm-hmm. How do we really ensure, especially for the mid-sized and small companies, that we have the right talent in place? Because these companies, they generally don't have the right mechanisms to hire the right people. Mm. So that question intrigued me, and that was basically the genesis of the entire Three I Effect as a book, uh, which came into the picture. I came back home. I thought about it. I mean, I was almost like ten years in the industry—not ten years—I would say around a decade. I would. Uh, close to a decade in the industry by that time. But I never had a thought about this thing, that what especially the qualities one should look for while inducting the talent or, or, uh, you know, basically association, sort of Mm -hmm. starting an association with any individual or any relationship. Uh, I started thinking about it, and that's where Mm -hmm. I thought that if I look at uh, the intent the intelligence, and intelligence, it's not about that you have the master's degree or something like that. It's all about your ability to comprehend the situation, the environment you are in, and have some takeaways from that. And then mm-hmm. third third, and the mo- most important piece is the integrity. So I thought if we basically bring these together, any association, any relationship, any, I would say, process can be a successful process. Uh, That's where I started experimenting about it. You know, there were mechanisms to measure intent. There were some mechanisms to measure intelligence as well. But integrity is something wherein we just cannot measure it, you know, by one or two interactions. So I devised some questions around that, okay, how do we really ensure that the person is high on integrity? Though it may not be the case later, but at least for the sake of the conversation, can we gauge out that? Uh, the person is right on the integrity and other aspects. So so the inspiration Um,
0: was really derived from that airplane ride. That is a transatlantic flight banking executives complaining about, you know what? Dang it. I can't, it it is hard to hire for people. And there's not a single person listening here on this podcast today who probably say hiring is easy. And I know when I hire somebody, I know they're going to be a great fit. And I bet a perfect batting percentage because it's impossible, right? We're just trying, can't bat perfectly on our hiring probably, although you might disagree with me, but I think we can increase the probability if we have the right tools and frameworks. I think that's one of the things about the three I that intrigued me when I was watching your TED talk. I was like, you know, it's just a very foundational model to think about this. Intent, integrity, intelligence. Which one is most important.
1: So integrity is the most important aspect among three I's because if mm-hmm. you don't have integrity, your intelligence and intent is of no use to me or to anyone. So integrity is the basic tenet of any foundation, any mm-hmm. relationship that you venture into. Yeah. So forget about any any. Can't have trust
0: without in integrity. Yeah. The police of man has integrity can't trust him. How in the world can you tell though? Like how. In an interview, no one's going to say, you know what? I'm totally qualified for this job, but you you can't trust me because I have no integrity as an employee. Like, like that would be great if someone's like, I have no integrity, but I'm totally qualified. They're not going to say that. How in the world do you work with, like this banking executive? How are you working with companies to make, to make that call?
1: So, you know, that's a great question. And... Every time I'm asked the same thing that how do we really ensure that somebody's good or integrity? So as I said, I devise certain questions. You know, integrity. Some and and again, it's not foolproof, but again, it gives you some sort of a semblance. It gives you some sort of an indication that uh, look, this is something which will be workable. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I I ask most of the people when I am in discussion with them, especially with the senior guys, that uh, let's say. If the company is going down and, and the uh, company really needs you, right? Okay. If the company is going down on, on the numbers, and if the company really needs you as a leader, what would be your actions? And and that answer reveals a lot of things. So uh, I'd go to LinkedIn the, and start looking for another job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: that would be so, that would exclude them from this
1: it, it, yeah. The, the other important, you know, uh, again, additional, I would say, uh, question along with this is, is that, how about the loyalty? You know, while integrity is really, you are saying you would be an honest person, but would you be a loyal person? And if you are a loyal person, then what's the difference between the honesty and the loyalty? So these type of questions, they they generally tell you that what direction the person is thinking and how the person is gonna align his thought process. It could be, as I said, it could be momentarily that he would say everything really good. Your ears would like to hear actually that what is the right thing or the wrong thing. But at the same time, you would, by virtue of that discussion, would make that, okay, this person is definitely in the business and he means or he or she means something. So it comes out during that conversation, but again, there is no foolproof mechanism. So,
0: so you've really you and you and your team at Judge, or maybe it's just you. I don't, I don't. I mean, maybe like on the book on on the on this idea, but you you have the three eyes, and you devise a like a questionnaire or like a survey that yes. new empo- new employees, new potential hires will take, and it will re- generate a report for the hire That's
1: correct. Ben. That's correct. And in my book, there are questions. So what I have done in my book is, I have applied this formula to different aspects of life. One is definitely about employee and employer, and it goes all the way between husband and a wife. You know, the divorce rates are really high. How we can really ensure that somebody can save that relationship? You know. Wow! Before we get married, honey, please take
0: this survey. (laughs) She's like, what is the section about intelligence? I just want to make sure so, that you're intelligent before we get married. That's that's dangerous.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so intelligence again, as I said, uh, it's it's not about getting a degree or you know, acquiring definitely skills and degree, they are a good requirement to look for, but it's more about your ability to comprehend the environment you are in. You know, for example, you're going somewhere, and I ask you that what you really gathered from that situation like do you really observe uh when you go somewhere outside do you look at the things what's the perspective overall and what do you really get from those observations Good. so it's yeah. basically the general aptitude we look for because yeah, you can always change the person. attitude
0: yeah you have you probably have to especially when it comes to people like we're not merely measuring your intelligence like your IQ or your book smarts. It's more of your Correct. thoughtfulness or how you think through things. I can see that. Correct. You
1: know,
0: you know, it's more good. of your
1: so, aptitude, basically. It's a general aptitude, your general uh, ability to comprehend the things. And nobody needs a degree for that. If you are a smart person, you are a smart person. You can be trained.
0: So in baseball, no one bats 1,000 because that would mean every time they go to the plate, they yeah. get a hit. If you bat three hundred, you're getting millions of dollars. Like you're out of one out, of, you get three hits at every ten bats. Four, pretty insane. So, uh, applying the baseball metaphor to the three eyes, if people mm-hmm. apply this, if corporate leaders specifically apply the three eyes correctly, how high a batting average do you think they should be able to hit with with new hires?
1: <laughs> Definitely it will improve. I cannot give you the number, but it will improve as to whatever state they are in. That is something I can guarantee upon. So maybe 50% improvement if they really apply this formula. So out of 10 hires,
0: they didn't exactly say no, you said 50% improvement everywhere they are today. So let's take a step back because you've outside of the three eyes, you've worked for Cap Gemini. I mean, you've worked for some heavyweight industry consulting players globally, yeah. what do you think a great hiring manager should be able to get? So like if you take 10 hires, what do you believe a good hiring manager should be able to hit on those 10 in terms of, and a good hit would mean an employee who's like, turns out to be a great fit for the role.
1: Correct. Right, Correct. So um, yeah, I would say 80%. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, see, yeah. I have hired people, I mean, not, di- I would say directly and indirectly, like thousands of people, maybe 25, 30,000 people I've hired through my career. I mean, not as I said, not directly, my teams and everything. But I would say for the past five to 10 years, I have applied this formula. Since the time I started applying this formula, things have changed drastically. So you can retain the people well, you can actually train them well, and you can get them successful as well, like productive as well. So, 70 to 80% of the times, these people would be successful if you really apply this formula.
0: Y'all, listen to that. It's a big, that's big. And some people, it's a big it's You know, a big newer number. managers yeah. might say that's not good. You mean eight out of 10? I'm like, eight out of 10 is spectacular. If you get, that means if you have 10 people on your team and eight, are enjoying what they're doing, they're engaged, they're productive, that's big. Because if you think about it, it's usually the 80-20 rule, where 20% of your team's giving you 80% of your results. And today we're talking, Uh,
1: flipping that. Especially the middle management. Especially the middle management, if you apply this formula, it will do wonders for you.
0: Are you looking to increase sales, grow your brand, and share your leadership message? then check out our business podcast program. Each week, more people listen to podcasts and have Netflix accounts and one third of the US population listens to podcasts regularly. So your customers and team are already listening to podcasts. It should be yours. Discover our five-step profitable podcast framework and what results you can expect for your company by setting up a 20-minute call with my team at benleads.com schedule that's benleads.com slash schedule. So, where does the model like where you've been applying this for a while? Where do things not always like, like, like if there's going to be an error in hiring, mm-hmm. what's the most, I guess, outside of the model, even what is the most common hiring mistake that you see?
1: In all honesty, uh, I would, I would basically say the job description. <laughs> so what nice. happens, okay. tell me more So what happens that we have a job description and we are we try to hire a plus or a minus person for that job description mm-hmm. and which is fine. but we have to have our outreach for B plus and B minus as well because you have the scalability factor there. So that's one aspect of job description. The second aspect is the right job description. While there are a lot of things in one job description, you may not get you know someone who is really good fit for that job description. So we need to ensure that what is the most important part of that job description and what we should look for in an individual. Most of the companies they make a big mistake. For example, programmers. Yeah. Programmers, you know, they are good into coding, they're good into programming, but companies they eventually look for someone who can do everything for them. You know, somebody who can, beyond programming, who can think about other aspects, they may or may not fit. And that's Mm -hmm. where people, they fail. We expect too much out of an individual. That's one of the major reasons that people, they don't really produce for what they are being brought in for. If a programmer is brought in for programming, that person is definitely going to do their job. But anything Mm -hmm. beyond that would be a problem. So it's about the fitment as well. Yes, if there is an intent in that programmer to go to the next level... That's a different aspect. So the alignment with the job description, I would say 80% of the time, there is a problem. And then candidates also, they also goof up on their profiles. I mean, they try to extrapolate a lot of things which actually were not there yep. in their background. So that's where that's the that's where the marriage needs to happen rightly. Yeah, I
0: love that. It's so I think people jump to hiring so quickly that they forget, wait, wait. Like Before we go out and we get someone, we really need to be so just specific and thoughtful about the job yep. description so we're looking for the right people. And I think a lot of times what they do is right. they go out and they're like, well, what was that job description last time we hired somebody? And they go yeah. out and they find it and they dust it off. But organizations are living and breathing and dynamic and the job that you hired for a year ago isn't the job you need now? that's correct you get everything
1: operations? yeah it's a big time twelve months yeah
0: yeah, yeah. It's huge 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 to think about uh, for leaders
1: yeah. and it's a very foundational and basic I would say step, but people they miss on that. It's a very important aspect of the entire chain so this has been really, really
0: good on the uh, on on three on three I. I want, I'd like just, just a minute or two, spend a little bit of time on your process, because a lot of times executives do not have time to write books. They do not have time to think about models because they're just consumed with their day to day. Definitely don't have time to go out and do a TED Talk. You know, what's your advice for leaders who want to uh, amp up their thought leadership and get into this? And, and how did you sort of navigate the the time and the requirement to be able to go to it?
1: So, in all honesty, Ben, it took me seven years. I mean, um, so what I used to do, I used to put the notes as and when something used to come to my mind. I just used to pen it down on a paper. Yeah. So, and this, uh, what happened? Covid helped me. You know, being very honest with you, because Covid travel stopped, like a lot of things stopped, and that gave me some time to actually collate or compile everything yeah. that I actually had dot down in the last five, six years prior to COVID. And that's where I thought, let me bring it in a shape of a good book. Um, I would say a, a good instrument wherein we can look at collectively and see how we can use it. So I well, compiled everything. Do
0: you have like a framework or a, or an app or paper? What...
1: <laughs> no. I'll, I'll show you. So I I I always have my loose papers with me and I just put the notes on my papers and I I have one file. I just used to insert the paper in that file. That's it. The date, timing, okay. um, timestamp, date and everything. That's it.
0: You don't scan so, them in, make them searchable. You just <laughs> keep a paper file.
1: Okay. So I, I'm, I'm actually an old school guy as well at the same time. So okay. it helps. So Great. it really helped me, uh, brought everything together. And I just gave it in the uh, form of, I would say, a good, good file to the editor. They liked it. Publishers actually, and that's how it all started.
0: Uh, So good insight there on your journey. What's your advice for a leader who's thinking about writing a book, but not sure where to start?
1: So I I would say you know intent again one of the (laughs) three eyes right. Let's let's apply the three eyes. All right. First of all, intent. What do you mean by intent? Yeah. So intent is something. It's basically a desire to take, take the things to the closure. You know, it's not about just saying about it. We, we say a lot of things, but do we really mean it? I mean, whether you say a lot of things in your daily routine life or you really do a lot of things in your daily, I would say, work, workplace. But do you really mean it end of the day? You know, end of the day, do you really think that, look, I spent nine hours in the office today. What did I really get out of it? What was the return? Yeah my hours spent, did it really help uh, my organization? Did it really help me as an individual? So intent, your intent basically to take the things to the closure uh, would be your vehicle for any new uh, project or work that you want to embark upon. Start with intent, makes sense, and then move on
0: from there. But if you, yeah, I think that, having gone through book writing myself a couple times, that intends everything. Do you intend to finish it? Do you intend to put your focus, your heart and soul? And if not, maybe it's a not yet goal versus right. a right now goal. Um, That's correct. You know, so that, so, so that
1: familiar. that drives everything because you start yep. you start focusing on your priorities once the intent is there, and once you have your priorities in place, you basically manage the things that way. Yeah. It's, it's really good. And I think leaders
0: fall into the trap of, hey, I want to apply the three I's to my business, but my book is just sort of like a personal little side hobby, and they don't imp- imply the sa- apply the same rigor. And as you know, I mean, y'all, Abhishek said he spent seven years doing it. It's a marathon, not a sprint. You've got to be yeah. committed, or you're, or you're not going to finish the thing. Uh, I blogged for years. I sort of blogged a lot of the key ideas in the book. Before I wrote it and I thought, oh man, I'm just going to sit down and slap a bunch of these, you know, hit blog posts I had. And let's just say that was not it. It was still, it was still a big process. Yeah, so start yeah. with intent, get ready for the marathon. But let me ask you, was it worth it? Were, were the seven yes. years worth
1: it? Yeah. Oh, oh, yes. Because it helped me, baked a lot of new things in between. If I would have finished it, let's say in one year only, I wouldn't have got the perspective around the other relationships, you know? The book also talks about the husband and the wife. That's Mm -hmm. the last chapter. So that wouldn't have happened. So seven years, actually, it really helped me rather. I would say while I started with just penning down some notes for the models in place, it culminated into a form of a great book because of the duration of the time. And I started Basically, binding them together.
0: What's been the best surprise that you had since you published your book?
1: After publishing the book?
0: Yeah, like what came from it that that surprised you? you, That's been
1: great. So the best surprise basically came from uh, the universities in India. So Hmm. what happened? I mean, they have actually, I mean, once they had gone through that book, because it, it applies even to the students and the colleges, you know? So... That was the biggest surprise. I started mm-hmm. getting calls from these universities to come and basically talk to their people, students, in person. So whenever I'm in India, I
0: okay,
1: every time they want me to be there for some time. So that was that's the biggest cool. surprise. I was not ready for it, but so that's that's, what.
0: that's so neat. And I love the fact that it's once it's out in the world, you do kind of lose control of it. It's like setting it free. Yeah, you don't. And the, but the cool part is you don't know whose hand it's going to get into, and it can lead to some cool things like that.
1: And and really. eventually it became a bestseller. So, oh, congrats was on that. Yeah, yeah, that was another surprise. I mean, I was not expecting it to become a bestseller. I thought it's more of lifestyle sort of a book. But when I got some recommendations from these corporate and universities, looks like it really did some some magic somewhere.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. And question yeah. for you, where did you write? the? Did you write the book before you came president? Or did you put it come out as you were working for Judge?
1: No, so I wrote the book while I was with Judge because it's been almost eight years with Judge now. And I published the book in 2022. It's been two years now. Okay, all right.
0: I wondered if it had a hand in getting you into that president's role. Cause, cause, because clearly you went from you went from sort of like an HR executive and then you became president, which is a more general type role. And I was just wondering if there was a, a a nugget or a spark in there that you could share that helped you sort of transcend HR and talent to being you know president.
1: Yeah, so you know, and and that's the beauty of the entire, I would say, concept. I was never into HR all through my life, so <laughs> um, <laughs> well. And I'm, I'm I guess active, talent acquisition yeah, is something, yeah, yeah. So talent acquisition in IT companies, it's more of the, I would say, the supply chain management, because while it it does have it does have a big HR ambit around it, but most of the time in the big companies, it's it's something which is a different function, it's not part of HR. So I started the with a strategy function, supply chain of basically, yeah. You can say maybe people, yes, in the resources, not people, but resources. Yeah, 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 yeah. So wow, yeah. So it's more of the procurement function actually, then because while HR okay. does does have a good play. Uh, So it's a combination of a lot of functions, and as I said, I was never the part of HR function per se in my entire career, though I did manage the talent acquisition function in one or two companies, but it was more about the global delivery, and at the same time, the strategy functions that I was the part of right from the beginning. So that really was.
0: A cool twist. Yeah, like you said, that framework you developed is broad enough to where you can apply it in a lot of different ways. HR. Supply chain, whatever it happens to be. So, sort of bring this all back in. What's a tool or gadget that's contributed to your success uh, that our listeners can go out and purchase for themselves?
1: So, and, and Ben, a great, great question. I, I was thinking about it this morning that what could be a great instrument. So, my recommendation would be a pen.
0: Tell me more.
1: No. Nowadays, what's happening, my friend, a lot of people are not using the pen. And a new generation, they just don't want to use pen. <laughs> so, so this is something which I would recommend not only to the new generation, even to the people like us, that when we have a pen with us, it's like a friend with us. You know, mm-hmm. pen never ditches us. We can always, and that, that really helped me. Whenever I used to dot down that whatever thoughts I had in my mind, it was my pen that was always with me and I used to write immediately. So while it's a very basic thing, but people, they're not utilizing this instrument anymore uh, to the benefit of it.
0: Very timely on a couple of levels that I experienced that. First of all, it cracked me up, but but, so I got a good laugh. But secondly, I recognize that, and I have seen the research, as you probably have, that our minds work differently when we're writing than when we're typing. And it's a right. far more, uh, going a little bit, not just thinking differently, but specifically when it comes to self-expression and creativity. And, uh, that, that's a biggie, uh, especially for just the human psyche and for authors and for a lot of things like that. The other, the other thing is this whole idea about people not learning cursive writing and just print and now that's all coming back for a while. They're like, Hey, we're not going to teach cursive in school. Does it make sense to do that now with technology? But we see school systems across the country starting to go back in the U S to teaching cursive because Mm -hmm. it flows better and turns out kids learn how to spell and to express themselves with the flow of cursive more effectively than print. And if you're saying, well, my computer can catch all my spelling errors. Yes, it can. Uh, but it's still, the, the, the self-expression is different. What, what's your take on it?
1: So when you rightly nailed it, I would say. See, what happens when you write down, your mind is with you. So there's a big difference in the focus when you write down something on paper and things, they start flowing the way you think about the things while when you type it, your mind is not very focused. So the focus is a paramount aspect because you and your pen and your paper, only these three things are there with you when you start writing down something because you have to focus on the paper that what you are writing. So your mind is very focused that way. And that's where the major difference is. All this cursive writing, this is coming back because of two reasons. One is definitely uh, about Uh, you know, the spellings and the grammar and everything. Yep. But the major, major aspect of this would be your focus. You know, right now, focus is a big problem everywhere. I don't know whether you know this or not. The retention, you know, right now they say that there are some studies that our ability to retain or focus on something is only a few seconds because of an advent of mobile. Unless we keep the mobile aside, you are not able to focus on what go- yeah. what's going on around us. So this is where the pen makes a difference because if pen is with you, it's only you and your pen. Yeah. You know, even even on the iPads, you know, you, you remember we have those sticks to write on the iPad.
0: Does that count? Does stylus. having a stylus on an iPad does that count as that writing? Stylus.
1: To you? That's what stylus I'm saying. So that that was the whole point. That why, why do we have a stylus? Why do we need a stylus? Because idea was to engage you with your paper. In, in that case, it was the iPad, iPad was your paper. So, but we generally don't use it. And that's where the problem is.
0: Yeah, the convenience factor is high on typing. And for me, I want to write more. And in fact, all of my interviews for the listeners, I'll talk about this a lot. I actually print out a a, a notes page on, on my guest, on you, and then I take manual notes because it yep. just flows so much better than me sitting there uh, doing that. Although, you know, everything else, I fall into this. I, I need, like, I want to capture it, and uh-huh. I want to have it searchable. Other notes I'm taking. So I'm kind of in this place where – I may go back to taking notes on the iPad with the stylus if it can translate through AI into notes that are typed yeah. and easily searchable. I haven't really made that, get bridge that yet, but I think that's on my, on my to-do list.
1: No, and, and that's something uh, that would be really helpful for you because it will save some time. At the same time, you know what you have really put down on your iPad or on your machine. That's a lot. Because once you write something, you never forget that. That's another major important aspect of, you know, writing down. Once you write something, it's, it's difficult to forget.
0: It's in your memory. Yep. My yeah. daughter's 12 years old and in history class in seventh grade. And she has her iPad, but she she takes hand notes on there. And the teacher is encouraging them to do that because it sticks better.
1: Yeah. Makes sense. It will, it will, it will definitely stick because you have spent some time to do that job, so that's how it is. So Abhishek, I, I think thank this, you, my friend. Would, this, this would, would the, be my yeah. advice, Ben. Yeah. This,
0: this has been a fun interview. We we really just to recap, we hit Everest, which was fun. <laughs> we hit the three eye model and integrity and the intelligence piece. We really hit that. And then we ended up hitting intent. So we hit all three. And then we got into something I really like doing is deep diving on your process for writing the book as an executive. Too many, exe- a lot of leaders, executives want to have a book. They want to capture their experience, but they never get to it, and they think, "Hey, I'm going to do that when I'm when I retire." And then when they retire, they don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, do it mid career, and I love how you shared how it paid off for you too. It's even in these unexpected ways, speaking universities in India, and then we wrapped it up with the pen, which. Is awesome. A pen. The most high-tech device, under a <laughs> uh, dollar. Uh, what's your parting thought for our listeners today? Just kind of put a cherry on
1: top? Just be honest to yourself, because that will help you in more self-realization and the way forward. Honesty is something which will go along with you from, I would say, beginning to the end.
0: Would you or your CEO be a good fit for this podcast? If you know a uniquely talented leader who has a story to share and a message to deliver, then we'd love to host them on the show. Go to benleads.com slash apply to fill out a quick form where you can let us know a little bit about yourself and my team will take a look to see if we're a good fit.